Stay tuned. Eastside Radio, 89.7 FM. Hi, I'm John Mark, and you're listening to Breaking Waves. G'day, I'm Riley, and John and I are both really excited to be presenting the first in a series of shows that we've done for Breaking Waves. The subjects in question are birth, life, and death. Very ordinary, mundane kind of subjects. I'm sure that you'll think we're quite unambitious for picking them. Uh, And this first episode is all about birth, the mystery, the miracle, the wonder of birth. I met Riley about four years ago. Um, I had a stroke in 2004 and ended up living on my own in housing commission and um, became quite isolated uh, over the next 10 years. And uh, meeting Riley has been great uh, because it's helped me get out, out and about Uh, in the world uh, to do things that I find quite difficult Um, with my uh, low vision I get lost and I have a guide dog um, who's great she's uh, Ivy she's fantastic and she takes me places uh, that she remembers how to get to but if I have to go to somewhere new um, we both get lost together so meeting Riley was great Um, and we've been on all kinds of adventures haven't we Riley that's right, that's right. We've been to um, Melbourne, Byron, Blue Mountains, all over. So the, the way this started was that um, uh, when I first met John, I was in between place at the time and I needed a place to stay. And then we gradually bonded uh, over love of Stephen King novels and staying up late, watching movies, listening to podcasts, that kind of thing. And then we made this arrangement where I could get paid through John's NDIS to help him uh, traveling around. And so we've been doing this uh, this traveling for about a year and a half. And it's uh, it's been really mutually beneficial, you know, for, for, the, for the both of us. Um, and so my own background, I uh, have worked in uh as a teacher's aide in primary schools i've worked with uh in a lot of alternative educational settings with those kids that need the extra help and i also uh take care of my grandparents my elderly relatives i've done a lot of house sitting looking after pets and so i have a lot of uh, background within uh within offering to to help you know as a service um and uh, now, m- as far as my own kind of relationship to disability, um, as a child, I was diagnosed with everything under the sun from, you know, ADD to autism to motor dyspraxia, learning difficulties. And uh, as I've gotten older, I've had a lot of um, chronic illness, chronic pain, chronic migraines, all these kind of things that uh, are harder to um, put into, into a box. Now that we've established who we are and why we're here, I think it might be a good time to go to a song.
knocking at the door. Somebody ringing the bell. Someone's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Do me a favor. Open the door and let him in. Ooh yeah. Someone's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Someone's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Do me a favor. Open the door. I let them in. Yeah. Let them in.
All right, we just had Paul McCartney and Wings with Let Him In. Just like letting a new baby into the world. That was my thinking on that one. John, how did you get the black eye, man? Well, I headbutted a tabletop uh, corner, um, which happens to me quite a lot, actually. I was just bending over to put something in the washing machine and uh, got the corner of uh, a table in my... It missed my eyeball, just got me in the eyelid. Uh, It happens quite a lot. So these everyday household things are just so much more hazardous with uh in when you're vision impaired obviously yeah you'd think you'd learn after 15 years where things were <laughs> but uh, i still get lost in my own uh in my own flat so you can uh, imagine what it's like when well you know what it's like for me when i'm outside i get quite disorientated mm. and uh walk into things and walk into holes and the analogy I was thinking of was uh, when someone is walking through a house at night with the lights off and they walk into an open drawer and catch their leg. And it's such a, an unpleasant experience. Yeah, it's something with uh, vision impaired people tend to have very damaged legs, uh, black and blue from bumping into things. We kind of see with our, eye, with our legs. <laughs> um, but I believe you were... Born just up the road, Riley. Is that right? That's right, John. My Paddington roots go way back. And I was born in the mid-90s on the 6th of March, which makes me a Pisces. Uh, And by all accounts, my birth was a normal sort of birth. Average amount of time. I was born in the morning, 10.30. But, John, your, your birth setting, your birth story has much more of a romantic backdrop. I believe. Yeah, I was uh, um, not a city child. I was grew up the first 10 years of my life in uh, rural Australia, in Queensland. And I was born in a tiny place called Mataburra, which is right in the centre of Queensland. And near another town uh, called Aramac, where my parents lived at the time. And the local doctor, um, his house was in Mataburra. And um, as my... Uh, arrival approached uh, my mum went to stay with the doctor because my dad was um, off busy doing his thing <laughs> he was uh, an Anglican minister in the local area and so it often uh, took him out um, he had a lot of area to cover um, and uh, my birth was um, uh, pretty normal, I think, labour and um, there was nothing unusual about it. It was, um, I was born in a tin shed, it was very hot. It was about, uh, I think it was over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, I think mum said, and uh, at 6.30 in the morning when I was born. I don't believe the doctor was there. He arrived uh, some time later uh, in his plane um, and the... Um, the region was in drought at the time and most of the cattle had died and the only animals roaming around were goats who tended to eat everything, including the doctors, started to eat the wings off the doctor's plane, which uh, he wasn't very happy about. I think that's one of the notable um, events around my birth. Um, I think it was all pretty normal besides that. I love it. I love that setting. It's so beautiful. And John... My birth uh, being in a hospital is far more common uh, for 
most Australians. And it's interesting how something that is the passage by which, um, you know, we all come into uh, the world it's uh, and separate physically from, from our mothers. It's interesting that this is something that is not experienced by the rest of the family. It's not witnessed and people people aren't necessarily prepared for it you know we want to defer to the to the medical experts um on the the majority of people do uh and so it's quite different to to how things would have gone in the past in more tribal village type settings yeah probably 100 150 years ago uh childbirth moved into hospitals from more natural sort of home settings and um the um actually the the amount of babies that died was quite high when they first started um <clears throat> being born in hospitals and they actually couldn't work out why so many uh babies died uh, it took them an incredibly long time to <laughs> realize that babies need physical contact and what happened in the beginning was that they were taken away from their mothers and put in little uh, sterile containers um, on their own and uh, they couldn't work out why they were dying um, in large numbers. Um, It's pretty well recognised now um, that uh, human touch is vitally important. It's important to us all our lives, in fact, not just uh, little babies. And we're in a very interesting time now where for health reasons we're being encouraged to separate and to distance ourselves from one another and i think that um the um, the subject of birth highlights the need uh that we have as as beings to actually be in close contact with one another and in fact the the act of conception is uh is all about touching it's a very special kind of touching um which produces this miraculous um, result, which is the production of a unique um, and individual um, life form. Um, yeah, let's get into that. Yeah, the the scientific explanation for it is. Um, uh, revolves around the transfer of genetic material or genes. So if you, I looked up a uh, zygote, a zygote is the first cell, um, first unique cell that is formed after conception, which grows into a person inside the mother. And it's explained in Wikipedia as being the result of the combination of genetic material um, but in fact, that it doesn't explain how it happens um, or what actually happens. It's really um, um, best described as a, a miraculous act of God. Really, the creation of this of this individual and unique um, cell that grows into something. Um, and this is really the, although a birth is uh, an important, um, that's the time when we separate from our mother mm. and we, we leave her and we go out into the world. The, 
the time when you're actually coming to existence is that is that special moment mm. that spark of life shall we say yeah which is revolves around the touch of two people um yes some kind of amazing spark uh yet to be uh explained uh by our sciences I happen to live with someone who was born a very long time ago. My grandfather is 101 years old. That's pretty old. Yeah, he's had a good innings. And um, he was born in uh, England. So asking him where he was born, long ago and far away. And that's the name of the following track by Joe Stafford. That was Long Ago and Far Away by Joe Stafford. You know, John, children in particular are very removed from understanding of where babies come from to a point where they have this elaborate fantasy around it, don't they? Yeah, well, I guess for a little kid, they see uh, their mother's tummy getting bigger and they get told that there's a little baby inside there. 
So, without being given any more information, I guess little kids imagine how the baby actually gets out, whether it comes out the mother's belly button or out some other way that you were mentioning earlier on, Riley. Oh, yes. Well, that was something from when I was a child that I believed about. We ought not to talk about that on air, John. It's okay. A little early in the afternoon. But, um, but you know, there are, one of the stories that uh, you come across a lot um, is the story of the baby being brought to the family home by a stork or some other kind of bird. Yeah, or, and the left under the cabbage patch or... Yeah, it'll drop down the chimney, yeah. And so we did some research into this. Yeah, and uh, we couldn't actually find the origins. I looked at several uh, leads and they all had different stories. One said it had German origins. Another said it had Greek origins. There were Asian origins for similar stories. Um, And really thinking about it, it seems as if the bird is a metaphor for the for nature itself delivering the baby to the family home that's an interesting take i hadn't thought of it that way but of course that makes sense and my first exposure to the stork mythology actually came from cartoons uh the looney tunes when i that i used to watch when i was a kid um rather than any um parental instruction they had this character called the drunken stork what a day. 15 deliveries and one to go. Everybody's glad to see the stork. Here, stork, have a drink to the new baby. Oh, have another. Come on, bottoms up. One for the road. You're going to be sociable. You're going to be sociable. You just can't refuse their generous hospitality. Their hospitality. You just can't refuse them. Well, I better be going. That mother gorilla must be getting worried. Gone. Oh no! I'll be dismissed, kicked out of the store club. I'm just. Well, I guess we can imagine the kind of mix-ups that are going to happen when uh, Stork gets drunk, right, Riley? Yes, that's why the character was intoxicated because the incompetence was, you know, the fuel for the comedic scenarios. Delivery of the wrong baby to the wrong place, I guess. Yeah, yeah. In that particular cartoon, Bugs Bunny gets delivered to a gorilla. Yeah, so the milkman didn't do it. It was the stork's fault. Yeah. Riley, how did you learn about the birds subject the of birth? Yeah, birds and the bees. Where do babies come mm. from? Well, funnily enough, John, um, I came to understand these things. I can't remember where I first learned about it, but I grew up uh, in a very sort of liberal free-spirited household i had best friends that were older than me um, but i think it was more my social circles and media and entertainment that educated me about um these kind of matters rather than a formal instruction that was provided by school or anything like that you're quite young right yeah, yeah, I would have been um, uh, sort of early primary school, like after kindergarten, but at some point after kindergarten before year two. Yeah, I was quite a bit older when I f- first started to think about these things, and I didn't learn them from uh, my parents. Um, in fact, I don't ever remember sitting down and talking, having that discussion with my mum and dad about the birds and the bees. Um, I remember going to a school 
um, night, film night, where they played this uh, movie which had, you know, drawings of the sexual genitalia and, um, and a description, a very kind of clinical description of how babies are made. And that was it, really. And also, um, I remember my dad gave me a little red book, uh, which I believe was a, um, uh, produced by the church. And all I can remember reading in that was that uh, touching yourself was not a good thing. You should do that. <laughs> That's about all I can remember getting out of that book. Um, and actually, I learned it from a friend. I think, as most of us do, I had um, at that particular period of my life, I was about nine or ten years old. So it was just before my adolescence. And but I had a friend who was uh, three or four years older than me, and he was a very good mate. And of course, being that that age, he was very much um, focused on those things. So. Yeah, he um, <laughs> he stunned and amazed me <laughs> with his uh, explanation of the uh, where babies came from. Yep, learned it from a mate. So there you go. So um, it it's not the sort of yeah the formal instruction that uh that informed it, but more the cultural osmosis at large. Interesting. So one of the questions we haven't touched on in regards to birth is that if it is this kind of um, miraculous, mysterious conception, well, where did that um, being come from? Like, where did that spirit, where was that before? Now, different uh, religions and philosophies and cultures have thinking around the idea of reincarnation, uh, which is something that we're going to get into more next week, John, as well as the topic of, of rebirth. Yes, yeah, a cycle of life. Um, I think it's attractive to a lot of people to have those beliefs because it's it uh, introduces uh, often the idea of karma and consequences for uh, what what we do uh, in this life, and a lot of people seem to get away with a whole a whole lot of stuff without any consequences. But if you believe in a cycle of life and uh, accountability and karma and reincarnation, it 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 makes a lot of difference, I think, in, in how you live your life. Um, and rebirth is another idea that um, we're going to get into, the idea that uh, you can have one more than one birth mm. um, in a lifetime, um, which is common um, with religious conversion. You talk about people who have been born again. Hallelujah. Yeah. Well, folks, we're coming up to the end of the program, and we're actually now going to hear an original composition from my esteemed colleague, John Mark. Yeah, in 2013, I was an ambassador for the disabled through uh, family and community services and for about a year. I guess, So I wrote this piece of music called Sensibility about not being able to see. Well, folks, that's it from us for this week. It's been terrific, and uh, next week we're going to be getting into life. I've been Riley. And this is John Mark. Signing off. Catch you later. You're listening to People Powered Radio, proudly supported by the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The Community Broadcasting Foundation resources community-owned and operated media stations just like this one that connect people and tell vital local stories so that we all enjoy a more vibrant, inclusive Australian culture and healthy democracy. Find out more about our work at cbf.com.au. 
what it's like to be a bee or an ant in a tree. Well, I see you, but you don't see me. Sensibility. Well, I can see you, but you can't see me. What you see is my disability. What it's like to be a bird on a tree Looking down on humanity I can't see you, but you see me It all depends on your mentality I can see you, but you can't see me What you see is your sensibility